Time to get you set up for all the weekend's betting action across the sports world. It's BetQL Weekend, only on the BetQL Network. All right, here we go. BetQL Weekend, BetQL Network, Mutt and Fritz, Mike Manansky, WEEI in Boston, Jack Fritz, a huge, huge smile on his face today as the Philadelphia Phillies make a managerial move he's been calling for for literally months. We will get to the baseball. We'll get some sports betting etiquette later on in the show as well. We have our world-famous Dissecting the Divisions, a lot of buzz around the internet for that. We'll get to the AFC East today, uh, and we'll start with the NBA, Jack, as the Boston Celtics are winners. What's going on, pal? Oh, Mutt. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised you're doing this this show with your shirt on, pal. I mean, what a I'm wearing a shirt. What a what a night last night for your team. I mean, look dead in the water for for most of it. I was like, yep. okay, Warriors are gonna kind of roll here. That's kind of what I expected. And then bang, out of nowhere, your basketball team just gets hot. I mean from three it was it was it was a ridiculous watch and, and frankly like <laughs> i had the live odds up on my phone like uh, when the when the Celtics lead kept growing and i was like the warriors aren't really gonna do this right now thankfully i did not place the bet so i saved myself some money but uh what a night for your celtics and it really does seem like people are starting to have a buzz that they might win this series mutt I'll, I'll give you credit, Jack Fritz. If you want to go back to the archives of this show, uh, one of the first bets you talked about was the Celtics 9-1 to uh, to get to the NBA Finals and win the NBA Finals. You're one of the first people to jump on that bandwagon. You subsequently jumped off that bandwagon, but you were driving it at first. Uh, it was well, I, had them, I had them making the Finals. I don't think you they're going to win the Finals. I'll give you credit. You had them, uh, again, uh, two months ago, you were on this. I didn't believe at that point. I thought the road was too tough. They went through Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and the Heat. Uh, amazing run to get here, even in this spot. And then last night, like you said, so what was crazy to me is that they had that first punch of Steph Curry's record-breaking first quarter. They withstand that. They lead at halftime. Then they have a second punch they withstand. They're an awful third quarter, typical Warriors third quarter. They had that awesome run. It's 92-80 to 80 in the fourth. And I'm thinking, well, how can they bounce back? You know, what adjustments can they make for game four? And they blow doors in the fourth, 40 to 16, the most lopsided fourth quarter NBA finals history. And this is where I need to have some thoughts on Steph Curry. I thought Steve Kerr got worked. Like I, I think of this group, this Warriors group, they've been together now finals in six of the eight years. The guy that's overrated is Steve Kerr. And you go back and watch that fourth quarter and the Celtics made the adjustment. They went small. They had run uh, Williams and Horford the entire game, their big lineup. The Warriors kept picking off screens there to find a, a good opportunities. They went small in the fourth with Peyton Pritchard and Derek White. They benched Grant Williams, and they stomped the Warriors there in the fourth quarter. They looked shell-shocked. I, and I thought the fatigue was setting in for the Celtics, Jack, because they just played the game seven against Miami, but it was the Warriors. And look, shock, we use the overword, the, overuse the word shocking and stunning and miraculous in sports radio, but I would say all of those three. If I told you 40-16 to 16 fourth quarter, at any point in that game before it happened, you would have had me drug tested. But that was a ridiculous stretch. And, I mean, I think we can say not only a Celtics win, but a pretty bad Warriors choke, right, for game one there at their place? Yeah, that's a that's a massive choke. I mean, that's a game that – I mean, they, they've won three championships or whatever. So, like, you expect them to be able to hold that lead at home. That's what they've done really for a long time. And this Celtics team is just the right kind of – I still think the Warriors win the series, but it's the right kind of kryptonite for this kind of team where they have these 
really athletic just defensive pieces. You talked last yeah. time about how they switch on everything, and it's insane. I mean, even Horford, who I loathe, and is 100% a double agent. He stole money here. He looked absolutely done. And then all of a sudden, he goes back to Boston and is like back to being Al Horford again, which is a, a pain. Um, but it's like even Robert Williams, like coming over from, from like halfway across the, the court last night and, and blocking shots. And really, what stuck out to me was two things. One is that Clay looks really slow against those kind of athletic wings that the, the Celtics have. He looks like he is he's obviously he's coming off the, the the double knee problems that he had or the Achilles and then the ACL. Um and it just looks like he can't get past the 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 wing defenders of the Celtics. Um I thought Jordan Poole, he didn't look ready for the moment awesome. to me. He was awesome. which yeah. which I, I I kind of just expected him to be um always comfortable, always ready to go. Like they they threw out the mega death lineup. You know, the, the new death lineup that yeah. was going to revolutionize basketball. And the Celtics have the right pieces to stop that, which, which no other team in the playoffs had really had. And then there's Steph Curry. And, and you brought up Steve Kerr, and that's fine. Um, but at the same time, like, I want my star players to, to take over late in games, especially guys that have been talked about in the last week, like the Warriors had already won this series, as being a top 10 player of all time. And his last four minutes last night to me were embarrassing. They were. It was because it to me he screams front runner. What is Steph Curry's finals moment? Like what is what is his big moment? His big moment is he can't get past Kevin Love, or he he throws the ball behind his back out of bounds. And in that game, when you when you're things are crumbling around you and you can't just you know pull up from thirty five feet and do all of that stuff, like that's a moment for Steph Curry to take over. And and win a ball game when things are crumbling around you. And it was shocking last night seeing Steph just kind of look like a guy out there last four minutes after the first quarter was so ridiculous. And I thought the Celtics defense had something to do with that. But I, I think I saw today, he obviously hit those six threes, tied the record uh, there, broke the record there in the first quarter, 21 points in the quarter, most since Jordan in 93, which is ridiculous. Uh, but then he had six three-point attempts the rest of the game. Like I Again, I, I sort of put some of that on Kerr. Like, you find ways when your player, when you have a guy that's that hot. Like, you, I know the Celtics defense is really good, and I give Emi Odoka a lot of credit for where this team is right now. But you find more ways to get Steph involved. And, look, there, there are some things in game one that I'm not sure will ever replicate for game two. Like, the, the group of Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Peyton Pritchard, and Derek White. Those four dudes had 17 three-pointers of the Celtics 21. That's not going to happen again. But I also don't think that Jason Tatum, Jack, is going to have the same type of really bad offensive nightly shooting-wise. He's become a really good distributor. He tied the NBA record for most assists in a first finals game, again with Jordan, with 12. So he got other guys involved. He played defense and rebound. But he's a much better offensive player than he showed last night. And so you're still going to pick Golden State to win. I think the Celtics showed last night they can play with Golden State. And I and I wonder the postgame stuff. You know, Draymond Green saying, they hit 21 threes. Steve Kerr, they hit 21 threes. Dudes, you guys hit 19. You had 19 threes a team. It was only two more threes. That can't be the reason why you lost. You lost because you basically thought, like every other team that comes to your building, the Celtics are going to quit in the fourth quarter. They were tired, fatigue setting in, and they outscored you 40 to 16. So I, if I'm a Warriors fan, I hate that commentary post game. It just sounded like Loserville from Green and Kerr. 
And I think the Celtics are going to win this thing. There were much better odds yesterday before they won, but I think the Celtics had the defense to match up. They stole home court away in game one. Even if they lose game two, they get the split going back to Boston for two games. It's a, it's a nine-month series because the NBA stretched it out, so plenty of time to rest. I think you saw last night. They they took the Warriors, you know, two, not one, but two huge punches, and they counterpunched twice on the road on short rest. They're a really tough basketball team. I mean, that, that's been the thing ever since – January when they just decided, okay, we're going to be like the best defensive team in the sport. And, and and Tatum's just going to start scoring 30 points a game. Like, you know, they, uh, they're a really tough basketball team and you keep seeing it over and over again, where it's like, all right, there's the Celtics, you know, like there's, they're not going to get past Giannis and, and, you know, Giannis in a closeout game, like they'll lose that game or they can't get past KD and Kyrie. They're the two biggest killers in the sport. And like they would have the KD and Kyrie have a big game and it'd be like, all right, there we go. Celtics are done. They really only have one star. But what you have is you have a, a special culture. You have the culture that is completely bought in, uh, bought in, and you have Jason Tatum. And you brought up, you brought up Al Horford. You brought up Derek White. You brought up the guys that have kind of had those those out of body experiences last night, namely Al Horford, who again I, I can't get past him shooting a, just an, an absurd <laughs> clip last night. It's 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 something that I I will never get over. Is is what he did last. He had more like threes last night, I think, in his entire Sixers career. Like I, I don't know if that's a true stat, but in my head, it's a true stat. Um, but I also think that <laughs> then it must be true. <laughs> yeah, but I also think that like Tatum won't play that bad again. Like, like I agree. Tatum, I agree. Tatum looks shockingly nervous for the moment last night, which I kind of felt like the last couple of series have been his his coming out party, where he's like, I I, I got this. I'm one of the five best players in the sport. Now you just have to accept that. And that's what made it so interesting last night where he looked kind of shell-shocked in the moment. He wasn't totally ready for it. Luckily he has a ton of guys around him that were able to pick him up. Uh, but for as much as we talk about Horford, not being able to do that again, white, whatever Pritchard, we're also not going to see Jason Tatum play that bad. So yeah. uh, that's something that if you're a Celtics fan, you got to feel pretty good about. All right. So we're talking on, on, on Friday. Uh, we taped the show on Fridays. The line opened at Warriors three and a half. It's already moved to four and a half. And looking at the early public betting, Jack, it's it's just like game one where almost 80% of the bets were on Golden State to win. It's the same thing. It's why the line has moved to full point here uh, since the game was over on Thursday night, early on Friday. It's four and a half. Uh, the money line for the Warriors in game four is minus 180 something. So uh, Celtics plus 154, a total of 215 and a half. We'll talk about the series in a second. Give me your assessment. Sunday night, 8 o'clock, Golden State. Do you think the Warriors bounce back? And do you like that number, four and a half? Or do you want to play it uh, in a different way for game two? Yeah, honestly, Mud, I think it's going to be a big weekend for us, um, you and I. Oh. My, my, my Phillies will be going for the sweep by that point after Joe Girardi's been <laughs> fired. And you'll be you'll be settling down for, for Celtics game two. I think the Warriors absolutely roll them. Um, I think that I, I understand the Celtics thing, but – there's been too many blowouts this this postseason. The Celtics have been a part of a lot of blowouts. And I just kind of feel like game two, the Warriors are like, bleep what happened in game one. We're going to go out and, and prove to you that we're still the Warriors. They've, they've been that team that have kind of fed off of – well, I, like they've been that team for years that have fed off a chip on their shoulder. But also, like I, I've kind of – I think they needed that. You know, I think they needed that little bit of a wake-up call. Like it was so annoying heading into the finals – all we heard was like, oh, Draymond this, and, and Curry's going to get uh, be a top 10 player of all time after they beat the Warriors. And, like, it, it, I hate when you walk into a series with 
all the media saying, okay, this is going to be a quick series, whatever, Warriors and five, Warriors and six. Like, I think they needed that kind of wake-up call to be like, listen, we're not going to be able to cakewalk through the Celtics. I know that on paper we're a, a better team, but we can't cakewalk through it. So, you know, just given the kind of trends that we've had this postseason with, um, you know, you steal game one, game two, usually the home team bounces back. I, I really like the Warriors. Uh, they're a part of my Calvin Ridley kit. Can't lose parlay of the week minus four, um, and I think the line could even get bigger if you want to like alternately bet it up like six and a half. So um, I, I really like the Warriors. I know you're. I know Celtics. All that I get it. They, they have a lot of positive momentum, but they also already did accomplish all they needed to accomplish, which was um, splitting out in Golden State. Yeah, I think that if you like Golden State coming into the series, I think this is the time to jump on it. Like I, I'm with you. Uh, plus one forty right now to win the series is, a, I think, a really good number. My whole idea coming into this, we talked about it in Boston the last couple of days. I thought, Jack, they were going to lose game one, the Celtics. And I was going to bet them to win in six and seven after they lost game one. Well, that's out the window now. They're now a primitive favorite. They're my, they're now minus 170 to win the, the, the series. Like, I, I, I can't bet them at that number. I think they're going to win. If I wanted to bet the series, I would look at what, is the, what are they offering for uh, Celtics in six or Celtics in seven right now. But as far as player props go, we mentioned the Jason Tatum assists. This is carried over from the Miami series. They, the books have not adjusted. It's the, the assist total has been five and a half for really two weeks as he's gone over that consistently. I'd be interested in Jason Tatum over assist props as part of same game parlays and Jalen Brown rebound props. You know, they showed last night he's going to play a lot. The Warriors take a lot of threes. He covered his rebound prop last night. Uh, those are the two guys I'm going to focus on going forward. Uh, and Marcus Smart points. Like, this guy's not afraid to shoot, and it makes you dry, pull whatever. I don't have any hair left anyway, but whatever's left, they pull out because Marcus March just jacks threes at every turn. But those are three guys from a player prop standpoint in game two. Jason Tatum assists, Jalen Brown rebounds, and Marcus Smart points that I want to get involved with. But I'm with you. It sort of feels like it's inevitable Golden State's going to bounce back. The four and a half seems pretty fair to me. Um, but I, I could see trying to stay away from that and going with some player props on Sunday night. Now, have we got uh, has the extender been brought in to make sure that that it does get it as long of a series as possible? I mean, that's that's a key well, no, well, you know, 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern is when the NBA releases those reports. Yep. I believe I believe he's part of the 12 officials that will be uh, officiating in this series. Uh, and those who you know follow Scott Foster, they know in the gambling community, uh, people believe he does. Uh, he believes he does the bidding of the NBA. So when a team is trailing, he sent in to do their work. Uh, according to Zach, our producer, the Celtics are 12-0 and 0 in the last 12 Scott Foster games. So yep. take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> yep. Something's got to give, though. You know, it's like we, we also love the Celtics. We love having Mutt being able to be happy nights on WEI. But also, we need to extend the series and, and ensure ourselves some good ratings. So, and I wait until the end of the segment. So you really can't respond to this because you're going to mock me. But the games are on too late at night. Put the games on earlier. Grow up, Mutt. Grow up. The kids. The kids can't it's not watch. About it's the not kids. Watch. It's I never about the kids. It's your it break out the ambulance for Mutt because he has to stay up a little bit later and maybe get a little less sleep while his team's in the finals. That's embarrassing. It's, not me. it's the kids who got to get up early to watch the game on DVR. That's the issue. I got to get up early and start the DVR for them. All right. NBA Finals game two on Sunday. We cannot wait. Uh, we got divisions, dissecting the divisions of the NFC, NFL. It's the AFC East led by the Buffalo Bills. That's next, BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to BetQL Weekend with Mike Menansky and Jack Fritz on the BetQL Network. Jack Fritz, Mike Menansky. It's the BetQL Network. It's BetQL Weekend. Jack spending the entire commercial break mocking me uh, for my take about the games being on too late. I'm a boomer. I'm a dinosaur. What can I say? Uh, Jack Fritz, WIP on Twitter. Mutt, W-E-E-I for me. Uh, follow for all sorts of really bad tweets about sports here in Boston and Jack's anxiety about his Phillies. Look, today's a good day for the Phillies. We'll get to that coming up uh, in segment number three. Uh, we People are betting the NFL already. Uh, I saw it on our, on, our, on our network, the BetQL network, Joe Ostrowski in the Midday Show, had eight bets he was ready to make for week one, 100 days out. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not there yet, Fritz, but people are betting the NFL already. It's the greatest, man. Um, it, it was so funny. Like uh, the other day, the the hundred days came out, and the reaction was just like you would think it sort of started next week. Um, <laughs> like it was. I mean, it's seriously, it's unbelievable how much that they have just capitalized on on their 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 like their league. It's it's just you don't see any other league that is like the NFL. Um, and yeah, ninety seven days away right now. Um, you know, I think it's perfectly okay to bet. It's always okay to bet NFL, and it's always okay to dissect some divisions. So that's what we're oh, I, do I have some team futures that are already in. I'm, I'm against my Patriots from a win total standpoint, but I, Good. I have not gotten – I haven't bet any games yet. For week. Have you bet any Yeah, games that's a little week? much. That's a, Well, especially like well, – first off, you don't know who's going to be hurt. I mean, sure, you can look at the rosters now and be like, yeah, no, it's going to be perfectly fine. Um, but it's like – it's aggressive. I appreciate it. Well, so do I. Um, but yeah, but it's also like it just seems like a bad idea. And maybe makes I have so little money in my account uh, that I don't want to have to reload and have that money sit there for four months. Correct. That also be part that's of why. Idea. That's why I cashed out my uh, Carlos Rodon futures bet because I was like, ah, I need the twenty five bucks. Might as well. Oh, you took the buyout on that? Yes, no, I did. But I, I didn't oh, want to have to deposit again. You know, I just want to get it in the account now. I want it now, Mutt. That's why I only that's why I only bet parlays. All right, let's dissect. Let's start with the Buffalo Bills. We're in AFC East. We did, oh, we'll have to talk more about that. AFC East this week. We did the NFC last week. We we're both like uh Jack's Eagles to make a run there in the division. We'll yep. start with the big favorite. Not only in the division, but the AFC. It's the Buffalo Bills. Minus 180 to win the AFC East. Win total 11 and a half. Uh, three and a half to one to win the conference. Six and a half to one, as low as six to one on one of the major websites to win the Super Bowl. They're the clear-cut favorite. They added a big defensive piece in Von Miller. But I think a sneaky loss for them is going to be Brian Dayball. I think Dayball was a huge part of the Josh Allen development. I know they have other guys in that system they like, and they elevated coach that they brought other guys in. So give the Bills credit for thinking outside the box and bringing in some new offensive minds. And Ken Dorsey is now going to be part uh, of that group there in Buffalo as in a uh, bigger role than he had a year ago. But on paper, like, I can't look past them. And they're the Super Bowl favorites at six to one. I think they probably should be. They're really good. They added defensive pieces. Uh, they added Jameson Crowder there on the receiving core, swapped them out for Cole Beasley. They're a legit favorite, and I can see them winning the division pretty easily this year. Yeah, and and the Dayball thing is just fascinating because um, never in my life have I thought that offensive coaches matter more than they do now. And having oh, yeah. a good oh, offense. Yeah. Having a good offensive coach that, that knows what they're doing, that can scheme stuff up, that can get guys open, that can make the quarterback jobs easier. Like having those guys and then losing them for an unknown like Ken Dorsey, who I, I do believe had a, had a 
big hand in, in also Josh Allen's development. Like he's been there. Um, he was brought in a couple of years ago to kind of help uh, refine his mechanics and stuff. But like losing good offensive coaches is not a, a good way to, to go about um, the modern NFL. Like you want to keep those kind of guys around. So um, I think the Dayball thing is really interesting. And I think it's something that could kind of hinder them maybe at the beginning of the season. Um, but I think at the end, like they're just, they're so talented. Um, on both sides of the ball, Josh Allen is is a unicorn. You know, I think yeah. he is. Uh, I think he's ascended past the point really of, of needing a developmental coach. Um, and I think this is kind of. It's hard to say before the season, like Super Bowl. I think they're going to win it, but it just feels like everything is just trending towards the Bills' direction. They have the, the quarterback. They have the number one receiver. They have a good head coach in McDermott. They have the culture. And then you go and add a Von Miller on top of what is already a really good defense. It's just like you should be rewarded in for, for, for that. And I, I just I think they're doing all the right things. And I think they run away at the AFC East. And 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 frankly, like I want to see that team win a Super Bowl. I really do. You know, before they go to that new billion dollar stadium up there, I need the I need the old school bills to be able to get a, a Super Bowl trophy to celebrate. Yeah, and, and the only thing I'll add on the Dayball, I'm with you. I don't think it's a developmental thing with Allen anymore, but Dayball is one of these coaches, Jack, and we've talked about this. He realized now, and a lot of coaches don't, you don't have to run the football in the NFL. You can roar, you can drop back and throw it 30 times in a row. In fact, I'd prefer that out of my coach. That's why I think Josh McDaniels will be missed here in New England. We'll get to them in a second. But Dayball had the, 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 the testicular fortitude to drop back and just say, I don't need to run. I can just throw the football and I don't know if they'll still have that. I mean, will McDermott revert back to, we're going to run the football and control the clock? I hope he doesn't, because I'm with you. On paper, they're the favorites. The only thing going against them, everyone loves them. And they are the favorites. And who wants to bet a 6-1 to favorite, you know, four months before the season? But they look like the class of the AFC, and I'd be shocked if they don't win the division uh, going away. Their challengers are named the Patriots and the Dolphins. We'll start with the Patriots. Out J.C. Jackson, out Shaq Mason, out Ted Karras. Uh, out Josh McDaniels, in Devontae Parker, Malcolm Butler, who Super Bowl hero, retired, couldn't play a year ago. Now he's going to start a cornerback for them. Uh, first round pick, they took a guard in the first round. And replacing Josh McDaniels are Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, who my sources tell me is by far the favorite. Uh, Tommy Curran, NBC Sports Boston, came on my show in Boston and said, "What from OTA, it's pretty clear to him, Belichick is grooming Joe Judge to run the plays, run the offense, and tutor Mac Jones in year two. That guy needs help in year two, and it's going to be Joe Judge, Mr. Take a knee on third down instead of running a play in the shadow of his own end zone. I'm disgusted by this decision. I'm going under eight and a half wins, and I wouldn't be shocked if they missed the playoffs this year. Your thoughts on the Patriots, Jack? I mean, what a what a classic, classic training camp battle. Offensive coordinator edition. I mean, seriously, usually, usually it's quarterbacks or, or running backs or whatever. This year, you have an offensive coordinator training camp battle. Uh, with Matt, is he now since he's doing offensive coaching? Is he putting the the pencil in the ear or still is there. it still there? It's still there. Still okay, there. I don't know if and I should good. point should point out it's been noted by other reporters in the beat. He has a laminated sheet or a laptop. He can't write anything down but the pencil is still there, but go ahead. Well, it's a look, man. And it's, it's, it's yeah, kind yeah. of intimidating. It's very intimidating. Oh yeah. Very intimidating. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So listen, it's, 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 it's called swag. You got to get some there, Mutt. but, um, <laughs> but it is, I could not short the Patriots more. I literally couldn't. Um, 
I, I wish I could bet on them to finish fourth in the division, frankly. Like, I think they're closer to the Jets' territory than they are the Bills' territory. Um, it just feels like it's, it's, start, it's the beginning of the end. And I think Belichick has been great for a while. But I think that the sooner he moves on, the better that franchise will, will be. I mean, this screams the end of Andy Reid, where here um, he was great for a long time. And then there was like power struggles inside the organization. And he made Juan Castillo, his offensive line coach, his defensive coordinator. And it completely backfired. So, uh, Mutt, I think it's going to be a long football season for you. I don't think Devontae Parker is the answer, although I, I, I like him a little bit. I think Mac Jones is perfectly okay. I think both of our quarterbacks, Mutt, it's just they're fine. But they're I don't fine. think they're fine. Yeah. Like I think I think Josh McDaniels got more out of out of Mac Jones last year than than I think Mac Jones is like some super talented quarterback. You know, I think I think Josh McDaniels system got a lot out of him. So um I, I just I, I don't see it. I, I really don't. I, I I think Belichick's been great for a while, but these are all just weird moves and there, there's something fishy going on up there in New England and, and this seems like the kind of year it all kind of crumbles. Very, I see. I don't think it's crumbling. I think it's a bridge year to. They're going to have over 100 million dollars next year. They, they, this is kind of a. It's, it's a, a bridge year, uh, a, a get through year. Very similar to when Cam Newton was here. Six, seven, seven, eight, nine wins somewhere in that mix. And then next year they're going to make a huge splash in free agency. And then they'll be sort of. They should be back in contention, but they're rebuilding the defense. Mack in year two, which I'm looking forward to watch. But I'm under eight and a half wins, and I don't think. Uh, I don't think they're a playoff team this year. Are the Dolphins, Jack, a playoff team in 2022? No, I, I, I don't. I, I, Tua, he's so, like, I don't know why he was ever considered, like, the number one. Even watching him, it was like, well, what's impressive about this? He has all kinds of talent around him. His arm's not unbelievable. Maybe I just don't like lefty throwers. You know, I am so I so like watching right-handed quarterbacks that every time I see a lefty throw, I'm like, oh, he's got a weak arm. Um, you know, and I, I I couldn't care less about the completion percentage stuff. I just don't like I I watched Sam Bradford set a completion percentage record, and it was so unimpactful, it, it wasn't even funny. So yeah. you know, I I think I think Flores did a really good job of holding that team together. I think they'll be, you know. I, yeah. I think McDaniel will help, you know, I think uh, offensively, but I just, I don't trust, I don't trust that team. I don't trust the team in Miami being able to handle expectations. They've for my entire life, Mutt, like they've never done it and they, they've had talent before. Um, and I don't think just adding Tyreek Hill is going to kind of put this team in, in, in the class that, that a lot of people think they do. Yeah. And a lot of it comes back to the quarterback. Yeah, I, you mentioned Hill. He's obviously the big addition, but I, I was going through the Dolphins stuff yesterday again, reminded they signed Teron Armstead. They signed Williams, the guard. Like, they rebuilt the offensive line. Chase Edmonds, Cedric Wilson, who you and I talked about last week, both liked him in Dallas last year. Uh, they made some really good signings. And on paper, they're much more talented to me than the Patriots are. I just don't know, is, like, Mike McDaniel the guy to get them over the hump? Flores beat Belichick twice. Like, he's he was really good against Bill. On paper, they had the talent. I don't trust the quarterback. Feels like it, just like in Philadelphia, huge year for Tua. Like this is sort of you know, fit, do it now or it's going to be now or never at that position. So I think they're a fringe wild card team. I think they're more talented than the Patriots, and not going to be shocked if they finish ahead uh, well, of the Patriots in the division. You know what they need, honestly. Like it, they both you, the Eagles comp was interesting because I think that after this year, we're going to look at both of these teams and think, okay, they're a quarterback away from really being something. 
And if the rumors are true about what was going on this last offseason with with Brady and, and wanting to be a Dolphin, Great if point. you add Tom Brady to that team, I mean, then you're talking about, okay, because then you're bringing in a proven winner. Like you're bringing in a guy that can kind of change culture. I mean, he made the Tampa Bay Bucks a, a winner there for a little bit. So, um, you know, if I, I don't think Tua can get the job done, but if you're talking about a year from now, if they add Tom Brady to that team, yeah, the, the, then then I can buy into the talent more than I can with Tua as the quarterback. All right, how about one of the teams getting bet the most in, in this preseason or offseason is the Jets. Their over-under is five and a half, and people are hammering, very smart people, are hammering their over. They're 20 to one to win the division. I think they're 15,000 to one to win the Super Bowl, which seems a little bit short to me. I think they make him a million to one. Uh, I don't even know if they're frisky. Like I, 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 they're they're better than five and a half wins. Like Robert Sala might be a good coach. Zach Wilson might be a good quarterback, but like I kind of I understand people betting their win total, but I also could see the thing falling apart again. For our producer Zach, who really wants them to be any good, uh, no. Are you buying Zach, into the Jets? Are you buying in at all to their over five and a half wins? Zach gets the Mets. You know, he he gets the Mets. He doesn't get the <laughs> he doesn't get a Mets Jets same kind of same same year being good. But I I just I like what the Jets are doing. And I think Mutt, you're you're being blinded by 20 plus years of 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 just destroying the Jets franchise. It could be. Yep. And not being able to get over the the Belichick thing and and him leaving on the napkin. That no, he's the par- no, no, it's the Parcells thing. It's the cur- but Parcells stole Curtis Martin, who was a kid, my favorite player. I, I cried when they lost Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin's a great player. Great One of the best, best running backs yeah. I remember growing up. Um, no, but I, I actually, I just like, I like the Jets vibe. And I think that the Jets fans are, are afraid. Ooh, vibe play. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Big vibe guy. Um, but I think Jets, I think Jets fans are so afraid to be in on this team. When in reality, like, I love Zach Wilson. I don't care about the interceptions last year. I don't know if you ever heard this before, but Peyton Manning threw a lot of interceptions his rookie year, too. And what? he turned out to be okay. You, did? Yeah. you wow. ever hear that one before? Yeah. No, it's I have to write that down. Thank you. It's a new sports radio thing. You should start adding to the to the list there. Um, but, no, I really like Zach Wilson. I think they brought in a ton of talent around him. I love the draft that they had last year. I think Sauce Gardner is just a culture changer. Um, I think Salah – he left a little bit to be to be desired last eh, year, but I, eh, yeah, eh. yeah, I felt like they fought last year though. I really did. You know, I, I didn't. They were very good, but they felt frisky at moments. You know, five and a half's probably about right. If you if you made me bet on it, I would take the over just because I too. do believe it. I believe in Zach Wilson heading into year two. Like he was my favorite quarterback coming out of the draft. I think he's got a hose. Um, I mean, I think that uh, I think Robert Salas said he's beefed up in a good way this off season. So. Um, the Jets are one of the teams I'm actually looking forward to watching this year. So give me the Jets over a five and a half. And we should also mention one of the guys who played for at least two of these teams in the division, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know if you knew this, he retired. He went to Harvard. No one, no one ever mentioned Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. I just want to let you know, you can use that on WIP. He's a smart quarterback. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure that TV executives are, are saying the same things like, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but he did go to Harvard. Um, and I think he has the most wins of also, did you see the, the debate yesterday if he's a Hall of Famer because he's the best back quarterback ever? <laughs> no, I've been with the Celtics. All right, so we're with the Bills. They're the favorites on paper. They're the ones to beat. We'll come back. We'll celebrate Jack Fritz and his Phillies. They fired their manager. He's taking his shirt off and celebrating next. Beck you all weekend. Beck you all network.
Welcome back to BetQL Weekend with Mike Menansky and Jack Fritz on the BetQL Network. Into the home stretch, BetQL Weekend, Mutt and Fritz with you, packing an entire weekend of sports into one action-packed hour. One week from now, a full week ahead tease, I'll be giving you the Belmont winner, and Jack will have a Belmont oh. loser for us. That's what he does. I give out winners. He mocks them, then gives out losers. That's a week from now. Uh, but we got to get to baseball here because we taped, again, taped this on Friday, Friday afternoon, something you wish for multiple times on multiple radio networks. Joe Girardi fired. The Phillies, people don't know, heading into the weekend, 22 and 29 of the Phillies, a mere 12 games back in the division, five and a half back in the wild card. Your reaction to the firing today, and is this the spark, Fritz, the Phillies need to make a playoff run in 2022? It was a great day. It really was. I, I was driving in and I know we have to do this whole thing of like, ah, oh, don't want to see him lose their jobs. Like I, I understand, but also he's got millions in the bank and it like, and he's going to get hired by a TV network soon. So I think, I think he'll be okay. Um, but it there, it's been so frustrating seeing the national media talk about Joe Girardi, like, well, what is he supposed to do? His the, the defense, the, the, the bullpen, all of this stuff. It's like, watch the games like watch what is going on every single night i have a i literally mutt i started a word document called the girardi files and every single night i would add things to it because of how wrong it was it was insane so between how lifeless they looked how they went over the luxury tax for the first time in franchise history how he was in a a lame duck year anyway it was the only move that they had to make and the, the players weren't going anywhere. They've only been here for for fifty some games. Like it's a it's a, a relatively new team. It was the move that they simply had to make, and I am glad that they didn't wait. You couldn't keep waiting around. You had to show a sense of urgency to hopefully wake this team up. Is it all Girardi's fault? No. Uh, you and I both know we we follow baseball enough that managers to a, an extent don't really control that much of a game. Like they, they, they have, Bingo. they have what they're good at and they have what they're bad at. And they really just have to set the lineup and, 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 and make good bullpen choices. And that's almost all they have to do. I have never fully believed the whole managers can cost the games thing. I usually put on the players until Joe Girardi came along, like until <laughs> this guy became my manager. And it was blatantly obvious that he was costing this team games, whether it was pitchers can't pitch three nights in a row um, having st- uh, stern rules with that and then breaking it for no reason the other night for, for Jerry's familia. Um, he had set a bad tone, I believe in the clubhouse of a, a clubhouse of just like, we'll get him tomorrow. It's like, Hey, you know, you can, you can keep, he was obsessed with managing for September and making sure they can get to September. Meanwhile, they are over 10 games back. So like, I know you want to keep guys healthy, but the, the team played with a lack of sense of urgency. And I think a lot of that had to go back with the lifeless guy that they had in the dugout. He looked lifeless. Every time I saw him on the, on the, on the, in, the, in the dugout, he was just looking at his binder instead of actually watching what's happening on the field. And in the press conferences, the post game, it was, it was just, it was, it was like he was in a coma. Um, so it was, it was a great day. I think it's something that can spark this team a little bit. Um, ultimately the players have to be better, but it's something that needed to be done and heading into a June where they have an easy schedule. 
Um, 40 of their last 99 games are against the Pirates, Cubs, uh, Reds, and Nash- Nationals. Like, you had to make this move now so that you can get this team going before heading into a month that on paper is easier than most. I'm glad you brought up the manager thing. We'll do it at some point this summer. I just, I think football coaches have a legit impact week in and week out. But then after that, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like NBA, I guess, is a culture thing. Baseball, I'm totally with you. Over a six-month season, the good teams win, the bad teams lose. And I think it's probably a handful of times in a year where your manager by a bullpen decision or a pinch hit, like he really screws you. But for the most part, they're there for culture. And it sounds like to me, you think the culture was broken in Philadelphia. The Red Sox went through this post-Terry Francona. Francona wore out his welcome after you know multiple World Series. He's a Hall of Fame manager. And they replaced him with, with freaking Bobby Valentine because they wanted to re- change the culture there. That didn't work out. So the next guy, John Farrell, again, culture guy. And so uh, who's the guy they're going with for the Phillies? And do you think he can change the culture? Because ultimately, that's what matters. Does the team feel like the guy driving the – they are they believing him or is there a group text Fritz where they're like, Oh my God, this guy sucks. Like, so the next guy, the interim guy, is he the guy or are you just biding your time? So you can tell me Jim Leland we're ripping butts in the dugouts. The next guy for the Phillies. Uh, so, so the, the interim guy is, is his, is Rob Thompson who had been on Girardi staffs up in, up in New York. Um, and, but came down here when, when Gabe took over to kind of be the manager to help the new guy kind of figure sure. out, uh, get, get going here. So um, it's interesting because the last couple of weeks we've had this Girardi debate and you would think that if any of the players liked playing for Joe Girardi, one player would come out and say, he's our manager. He's our guy. We like playing for him. There was not one player that had come out and said that. Um, and in the, in the 250 plus games he had managed here, there has never been one time I've heard a player say, I really like playing for Joe Girardi. Um, wow. so, so it's crazy. It was, it was insane. And it's not that he's, cause I don't think he's a bad guy. I, I really don't. I think he's a very nice guy. I just don't think people liked playing for him. I don't think he inspired them. Um, I think he was a, a, a bit tough on some things and then like wasn't really relatable to the guys. I mean, that was something that sunk him with the Yankees in 2017 was that he couldn't connect with the players, even though they were one game away from the World Series. So uh, Thompson's a guy that the players have talked about a lot of, of being, um, you know, that they, they like being around him, a good vibes guy again. Um, I just think that, that by moving on from Girardi, they're, they're getting the vibes back a little bit, and the players seem to like Rob Thompson. So, you know, if you were one of those people, especially in the betting world, that, um, you know, that don't believe the Mets are just going to go from day one to winning the division, go wire to wire, one to 162 of, of leading the division, I believe the Phillies have enough talent to, to really get back into this thing if you want to make a little bit of a futures bet. I think the bullpen will, will be shaky. Um, but the starting staff's been been top ten in the sport this year, and I just continue to believe that there's too much offensive talent for for this team to keep to stay down um, all summer. So um, you know they lost Gene Segura for for ten weeks, which is which which stinks. Um, but either with even with that, I still think there's enough talent around him that they can still make a bit of a run here. So I'm back right, in. So but- you're, you're, you're talking around it though. Feet to the fire. The Phillies right now, I'm looking at it, are plus two thirty five to make the playoffs at this point. Minus 295 not to make it. You tell the audience across the country, is plus 235 good enough value for me to go and place a bet on the Phillies to now make the playoffs with Joe Girardi and his binder and the Jack Fritz Girardi files out? 
It is. I, I do believe it is. I would place that bet plus 235, I mean, enough I mean. talent. And, you know, I think the Cardinals will falter here soon. And then really it becomes a, a Braves, Padres, Giants, Phillies, four teams really in the, in the mix here for that final wild card spot. Yeah, six wild card spots now in each division. So teams are right there again, five and a half back in, on June 3rd. Not the craziest thing. So I'm just going to tell you, right? I'm going to, I'm telling you now, I'm going to place that bet and I'm hoping that maybe I can sort of root against our producer, Zach, in the process. So I'll, I'm going to be team Phillies going forward here today, living and dying every win, every loss. So let's say that bet hits, right? It's not my bet. It's your bet. Okay. This is a little edition of a sports bet kit, as you'd like to call it here on the uh, bet QL weekend show. So that bet hits and I win $235, let's say. Do I have to tip you? Am I supposed to tip you? What What is the sports bet kit when I tail a friend, he gives me a winner, and it's not horses because no one's ever going to be a horse winner. All my friends suck at picking horses. So on this bet, if you win, do I tip you like I would tip a teller in Vegas? How does this work? You know, I hadn't thought about it, but as you talked your way through it, I think you should. And it's not because I need the money. Uh, doing very well over here. But um, it's... <laughs> But it it's just it's the right thing to do, Mutt. And okay. like if you if you di if if it comes true through, and I'm not expecting it now, right? I mean, I'm not expecting you to do it. But a nice little Venmo, like, hey, here's ten percent. You know, uh, what well, ten percent's a little bit much, but holy uh, crap, ten percent <laughs> at least, at least ten percent. Um, <laughs> so I think it's fair, and I think that's a nice thing to do. And I think it's hey, maybe that's a way that we as a sports betting community can really just, you know, c continue giving out good vibes, you know, and and just saying, hey, thanks for the tip here. You know, I, I appreciate it. And here's a little bit of give back for you. Um, so I think that's a, a fair move. And I, I think we should start bringing that more to the sports betting community. Okay. You say Venmo. I would say like a four pack of a nice IPA potentially might be a, yeah. a worthy sort of fill in. Uh, Zach, our producer, wants to, to comment on this. He's going to join us here. Uh, Zach, do you have a take on sports etiquette? Do I owe him money if this thing wins? I'm on the same page. I think it's a nice thing to do. But, guys, I am I have a sports betting etiquette issue myself that I wanted to run okay. by you guys. I know we haven't spoke much hockey on this show since we started, but there is just one team in all my sports fandom that I cannot stand. It's the New York Rangers. I'm a big Islander guy. I have not seen the Rangers win a Stanley Cup in my lifetime, uh, even though they've come very close, and I've gotten very nervous. The issue is, though, over the last couple nights, game one against the Lightning, game seven against Carolina, they have a big game two tonight, I've been betting them, and they've been very profitable. So what happens when you're in that situation, when you have a team that you just cannot stand, but they're making you money? I don't know what to do. Wait, let's let's end with that. Let's finish with that. Last. Are they making you money, Zach? They are. <laughs> Okay, then that's then that we're done. I think yeah. we're done. Money is green. The color of the uniform shouldn't matter. If the bets keep coming in, yep. I would keep betting on that team. I hate Duke. If I thought Duke was a good price and I want to bet Duke, I'm betting Duke. That's how I look at it. I wouldn't care about it. Jack Fritz, let you weigh in before we get out of here. Yeah, um, you know, I am someone that that hates the Celtics, and the Celtics <laughs> have made me money all throughout this postseason. Al Horford. So. You know, it's it's honestly, Zach, it's one of those things that sports betting has ruined rivalries. It really has because like it's a, it's a whole stupid idea of I don't know if it's like this in Boston. We're like, 
oh, I won't draft a cowboy in fantasy football. It's like, well, they're helping <laughs> you win. Like, so it's, it's completely, we talk about right now in Philly, like why, why is no one upset that the Celtics are in the finals? Why is no one upset that the Rangers are in the finals? Because we can gamble on them. That's why. That's why. Back in the day, you couldn't gamble on it. So, Zach, keep betting the Rangers, buddy. It's going to hurt, but at least you're making money while doing it. Yeah. I mean, you're a lose because the Lightning are going to win that series. But, hey, keep betting the Rangers. Good good for you. All right. That, Zach, thank you, buddy, for weighing in. Uh, we thank the guys behind the scenes here at BetQL for helping us uh, get on the air. We thank you for listening across the network and on Twitch.tv, BetQL. Uh, Jack, we missed the time for your, your same-game parlay. We'll get to it next week my Belmont pick. Have a great week. Go Phillies. I'm on board now. We'll talk to you next uh, weekend, BetQL weekend, on the BetQL Network.